Grace is yours and mercy and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Title of today's sermon is This Is It. Stay in Jerusalem, Jesus had told his disciples, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. Well, this is it. For century after century, the long, the long time coming, the prophets since the day of Joel had watched and waited and wondered, looking for the coming of this day and the coming of the person to whom the Holy Spirit testified. Well, Peter tells them, the person is Jesus. The time is now. He said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, God said, I will pour my spirit out on everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour my spirit onto my, onto my servants, both men and women. And they will speak what God has revealed. We saw all of that, but listen to this next part. I will work miracles in the sky and give signs on the earth, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will become red as blood before the terrifying day of the Lord comes. Then whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now you might look at those prophecies from Joel and say, all right, I, I buy into all of the first part. All of that stuff came true about people speaking, men and women, speaking the words of God. But what about the rest? The fire and the blood and the darkening of the sun. What about the moon looking like blood? Is that a lot of poetic picture language or is it something that's yet to come? Well, just seven weeks before this, on the weekend of the most memorable Passover since the first one, everyone had seen darkness at noon. When for some reason, as our Lord was hanging on the cross, the sun refused to shine. They had seen more than their share of blood on that weekend. Even the blood of the Son of God. And we already know that on that day of Pentecost, they saw plenty of the sign of fire. And as to the moon appearing red like blood, both the earthquakes stirring up all of the dust and the unusual darkness in the middle of the day would make the moon appear to be red in the sky. And it would be something to behold because at Passover, the moon is full. 
Believers from three continents had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost, a holiday as old as the Ten Commandments. God had declared on Sinai that Pentecost, the 50th day after, after Passover, would be a harvest festival that Israel would celebrate as long as the earth endured. The nations were gathered in Jerusalem for the celebration. They had come from every direction like spokes on a wheel. If you ever plan it all out on a map, it's like walking around a clock or, or like a bicycle wheel and seeing all the people from these far-flung places that had all come to Jerusalem at God's command, a command that he had given 1,800 years before in preparation for this day. And when they went home, after they had been converted to being Christians, after the Holy Spirit had moved on them so that 3,000 were added on that same day, after, the way, after they went home, they took the gospel with them. I mean, think about it. Paul writes to the church at Colossus and, Colossae and says, uh, I've never visited you. I didn't, I didn't uh, plan that church. I didn't plant that church. But when I was there, uh, the brief time I was there, I thought, there are these things that you need to know. And when he writes to the Romans, he says, I've never actually been there. So if St. Paul didn't found these churches... And yet these churches were so strong. Where did they come from? It's possible that they were, they were planted after the martyrdom of Stephen when everybody except for the immediate apostles left Jerusalem to avoid any kind of martyrdom for themselves. But it's also possible that some of those churches were started simply when people came to believe that Jesus is the Christ of God and took that new knowledge and new life back with them to people they loved. The Holy Spirit was bringing Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. As the Lutheran hour always says, because the Spirit had spoken and the people had heard Him. They listened because it was the Holy Spirit talking. And as they heard the Word of God, He took away their hearts of stone and gave them a heart of flesh, calling them from a living death to be born again. The crowd might start joking that this was just a bunch of drunken babble, but this was actually a lifting of the curse of the Tower of Babel. Peter made an excellent point when he counters that the men speaking were not drunk after all. It was only nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And although you might say, hey, I've known people who have every capacity for being drunk no matter what time of day, 
The point that Peter's trying to make is this, that on any Sabbath day, but especially a high Sabbath, like the, like the Pentecost, that no devout Jew would break his fast, his or her fast, before 10 o'clock in the morning. So the point that he's making is, these are good Jews. These people that you're listening to, these men and women that you are hearing, They have been waiting for the, for the coming of the Messiah and for the outpouring of the Spirit of God in power. And now every promise of God has come true. It's all fulfilled in Jesus. And I'm here to tell you about it. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because let the house of Israel and all the earth know that God has made him both Lord and God, this Jesus whom you crucified. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the crucified God, will be saved. That's terrific news. But it's also terrifying. For the flip side is also true. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. When I was at Concordia Seward to celebrate the miracle of Pentecost, I had a tradition of asking people a week ahead of time to bring Bibles in any language that they could read. And with a learned professorate and a large international student body, that made for a lot of languages. And at the appropriate time, as I would read Acts chapter 2, I asked people to stand up and read Psalm 100 out of their own Bibles, in their own language. One year... We had German and Latin, of course, Spanish and Portuguese and Greek and Hebrew, Arabic, Hausa, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Russian, and Amharic readers. A regular cacophony of praise to God in all these different languages. And you know what happens if you know that language? You can set it, set it aside. You can concentrate on it out of all of the babble and hear the word of God in the language of your heart. It was moving, meaningful, and memorable. And it's one of the things that I miss from when I was dean of chapel there. One day, I preached the gospel on Peter's point that in the final days, Christ is going to come again. 
And so I said, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come before I have to make another mortgage payment. Come before the IRS gets me. Come before my kids' student loans become due. Come before I get dementia or fall to cancer. Take us all home together so that my wife never has to mourn my loss or I hers. It was pretty well received. But after chapel, the young lady who had read Psalm 100 in Chinese during that exhibition came up to me and said, I would like you to pray that Jesus would tarry, that he would not come soon. Because if he comes now, my parents will be lost forever. My husband who I left back in China and my children, none of them are believers in Jesus Christ. And they know that you have baptized me. They know that I have become a Christian here in this country. But they imagine that when I return to China, that I will simply put it on a shelf or in a closet with all the rest of my souvenirs. And eventually I will forget that I have been baptized and that I have been claimed by Jesus. Pray that Jesus will wait until they can see that my new life in him is real. Are there any among your family or friends who are not calling upon the name of the Lord? Life with Jesus is endless hope. Life without Jesus is a hopeless end. Let them see and hear of the hope that is in you. Ask the Spirit to give you words at the proper time, as he did the fishermen of Pentecost. After all, you have had the Holy Spirit poured out upon you. You have received forgiveness in Jesus' name. You are his and you are saved. The Holy Spirit can cut through the babel, for nothing he plans is impossible to him. There's an old story that's told on Ascension Day. When the disciples were still staring slack-mouthed into heaven after Jesus had been taken up from them, He was welcomed into heaven by all of the angels, tens of thousands of angels, not applauding but blowing horns and, and singing out his praises. And one of them came and said, Lord, you have accomplished much at so great a cost, and you have redeemed the whole world. How is the whole world going to know about this? And Jesus motioned back to the disciples who were standing there, stupidly looking up into heaven like this. And he couldn't stand it. 
And so he flew down to earth and he appeared to the disciples and he said, Why are you standing here looking up into heaven? The Lord who you saw go up into heaven will return in the same way. Don't you have something to do? And he flew back to the right hand of the, of the power of God and he, had, he sought an audience with the Lord. And he said, Lord Jesus, King of all kings, what's plan B? And Jesus said, there is no plan B. And that's where the story usually ends and then the preacher talks about that you are going to take the message out to everyone. But I'd like to add to that old story. It's not in the Bible, by the way. It's something that's just talked about by preachers. There are a lot of those things. Anyway, I'd like to finish the story by saying that 10 days later, that same angel went back before the throne of grace and bowed and fell on the ground and from his prone position said, Lord, now I get it. Now the world will hear. this Pentecost. Let us remember that it is now as it has been. The salvation of the world doesn't depend on us, but on the one whose acts are mighty and whose promises are sure. All that is left to us in word, deed, and intention is to tell every nation the, the mighty acts of God and to begin right where the Lord has left us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ, Jesus to life everlasting. As we confess our faith today, the final portion of the Apostles' Creed has special meaning. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.